Hello, everyone, and welcome back into a fabulous new Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are so excited to be bringing you the two artists we have joining us today and the works they are doing. Yes, there are two works that they are performing for us today. Joining us today, we have the performer, Andrew Broadus, and we are so excited to welcome back the writer and performer, Martin Dockery. They're both performing two shows in rep, The Stakeout and Long Night of the American Dream. Both of these shows are being performed, as I mentioned, in rep November 29th through December 16th at the Soho Playhouse. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting SohoPlayhouse.com. These are two fantastic shows you're not going to want to miss. We're so excited to be hearing about two other great works happening at the Soho Playhouse. So let's welcome on our guests who can tell us more about these great works. Andrew Martin, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. So excited to have you here, Andrew Martin. So happy to have you back. I believe the last time we spoke was when we were talking about the Gotham Storytelling Festival. Yeah, just a few weeks ago. It was a huge success. Heard nothing but wonderful, great things so far. So congrats on all of that. And now you've got this great, well, I should say these two great shows coming to the Soho Playoffs, which I'm so excited about. The Stakeout and Long Night of the American Dream. And so... Martin, can I start with you by having you tell our listeners about what these two shows are about? Yeah, so uh, the stakeout, very quickly, is just about two men who are on a stakeout of two men who are on a stakeout of them. It uh, deals with, with like a father and son and, you know, working through uh, sort of a moment of reconciliation between them. It's funny. It's serious. It's emotional. It's, I think, quite unique. And The Long Night of the American Dream is about two brothers who are putting on a play, about two brothers who are putting on a play about America. And as they're trying to put on this play, they're working through their own dysfunction as a family and by extension as Americans. Sounds fantastic. I love both of these already. And I love kind of how different they are out the gate, you know. So what inspired you martin to write these two shows we know that the whole the process of these two shows is has kind of it's been an interesting little journey they were both written before the pandemic and then at this kind of at the same time and then the pandemic happened and i did not look at them again throughout the entire pandemic i mean some might say the pandemic is still happening i'm not sure but in any way didn't look at them for a long time until until 2022 last year yeah and then with that I, I didn't read them over i just wrote the plays from scratch again just kind of remembering vaguely what i'd written the first time but i felt like with the pandemic i couldn't i didn't want to just do the do work i'd done before the pandemic i was like let's just write them again so they are so they are newly written but based off of something i remember from the before times before the pandemic and i think that the pandemic and sort of the you know what we all went through in terms of isolation and separation and a certain absurdity to you know the reality we were all living is reflected in these two plays as as they are now but to answer your question even more so you said what inspired them you know 
I'm, I myself, and now Andrew too, well, you know, we travel and do a lot of theater festivals, a lot of fringe theater festivals, and we travel from city to city. And you get very little time before shows to set up and put a show on. So approaching something and writing it, I am coming from a place of, you know, how do you, how do you create a story that purely exists in between the actors and the audience? You're not relying on any set, very minimal in terms of that. Something that takes place all sort of in real time with only two actors, because it's only economically feasible to travel around North America with two actors. And so you kind of like start off with those starting points of something that doesn't require crazy set, doesn't require more than two people, is something contained. And so that for the stakeout, it's about two FBI agents in a van watching another van that's you know out in the audience that's looking back at them and so it's very contained in that way and for long night of the american dream it's about two actors on a stage appealing to the audience who is the audience to watch this show that they are trying to put on about as i said two brothers trying to put on a show that's fantastic that that really is fantastic now andrew i want to bring you into the conversation now and i'm interested to know how did you come upon these works well, Martin and I met doing a show called Tammany Hall at the Soho Playhouse. And when that closed down, it was in December, January, in like 2022, 21. And it was like um, the Christmas, New Year's of 21. Yeah. Yeah. And Martin reached out to me and told me a little bit about his his extensive experience touring on the Fringe Festival circuit. And that he had this play in mind, and would I be interested in in doing it with him that summer? And I I was very excited to. I mean, we had worked together really well in Tammany Hall, and I I, I was really yeah eager for a, for a chance to dive into this. And I, as Martin was saying, I the notion of a play that is so much about a relationship between two characters. Mostly it's just, it's the people and two chairs on stage and it, it's you and the audience. And that's the kind of theater that I, I love to see. I love to do like something that's very pared down with the space to just dig deeper and deeper and deeper into these relationships, both between the characters and with the characters and the audience. I love that. Now, is this the world premiere of these two shows, or did I read, I think you, it's been on the festival circuit before. Did I get that right? Yeah, so the stakeout, we toured fairly extensively last summer and Long Night of the American Dream, we toured just this past summer. And I say summer because that tends to be the, the festival circuit season. That's when all the various cities have their festivals because the weather is warm and people love coming out. And, and there are great, great festivals that happen in Canada. So. Mostly we've toured both these shows across Canada. So this is the U.S. premiere of Long Night of the American Dream, which is also a new play from this year, but it's, we've not done it in the U.S. And I, I you know, I, I think we're both pretty excited to see how it is to be performing something about uh, America uh, to an American audience. You know, so far we've just been doing it to Canadian audiences. So it'll, it'll resonate in, in its own different way here, of course. And, you know, and it's about these two brothers, but these two brothers who come from like opposite sort of, uh, you know, sides of the political spectrum. So, you know, and that sort of, that comes out quite a bit, though it masks deeper interpersonal problems between them, familial problems between them. 
but yeah, it'll be it'll be uh, it'll be really cool to do it to do it here in New York. And as I said, for the first time with actual American people in the audience. And, and so yeah, but the stakeout we actually did last year at Soho Playhouse, it was it was picked to be one of these shows chosen for their fringe encore series. And so the Soho Playhouse, they send out people to various fringe festivals around the world, and then they select what they think are the best shows from the, the, the 15 or so different festivals they go to. And then they invite them to come here in New York and, and be part of a run here at the Soho Playhouse. So we did that last fall and that was great. And so they asked us if we'd like to do the stakeout again this fall. And then they had the idea of like, why don't we do them in rep? For those who don't know what in rep means, it means that every day we're doing, you know, a different show. So we do the stakeout on Wednesday, we do Long Night American Dream on Thursday, then we do the stakeout on Friday, then we do Long Night on Saturday and such. That's wonderful. Coming back to you, Andrew, I would love to know, as one of the performers in these shows, is there a message or a thought you hope that audiences take away from them? Hmm. A message or a thought. Something that I've always been impressed with as we've done these shows is the way the way that Martin has written them and the way that we're performing them. These are these are very dense plays that happen at a fast pace. There's a lot of layers going on, like in some cases, literal layers of reality. Like who who am I right now? But that audiences throughout our touring experience have have been able to interface with that like no one with very few exceptions people are not lost within it or if they are it's a kind of pleasant disorientation which again is one of my favorite things to experience when i'm seeing a play like you can tell you're not sure exactly what's going on the entire time until maybe later on or you have these aha moments but the whole way through you have a very strong sense like there's something happening here and i'm just like teasing it apart bit by bit i i just i find that very engaging so i i would love for audiences to continue to have that experience and then everyone gets to come out of an experience like that having a unique revelation of their own ideally like something that that they took away from it we had with the stakeout a lot of people come up to us after the show and say oh I think it was actually this. That's what was going on. Or like what who you really were. And then he in actually was, and we had so many different wildly divergent theories on what was actually happening in that play. And I found that so satisfying because people were really excited to tell us like they had made a discovery about it. So I'm I'm eager for more of that. Yeah, I think that I think part of the fun of of these plays is the fact that like there's lots of like breadcrumbs and, and clues to what is is going on, but it's very much left to the audience to like put all of that together for themselves. And you know, and the, and the trick is you don't want anyone to be confused. And I don't believe people are. I believe there's enough there for people to construct their own exact story of of what is happening between these characters on stage. And so it gives you something to talk about after the show with whoever you come with, with your friends or whatever, which, you know, that's why I love going to theater or just seeing whatever shows in general, but particularly theaters and afterwards, you know, is, is the, the final act of the show was going out for beers or whatever and, and really like picking it apart and talking about sort of why you've had this emotional response to this thing on stage and what it has meant, you know, to you. And I, I believe that these plays, you know, the idea is to constantly 
be reorienting the audience's perspective on what's happening here. And I think it's like a really fertile place for like, you know, discovering your own sort of emotional reality within the stories that are being told on stage. Yeah. Well, I was, I'm, I'm thinking about a commonality between both plays. A commonality between both The Stakeout and Long Night is that they, they have these very strong cores, themes of family connection, family connection, familial love. And, and we, we have had another thing I'm looking forward to is, is, is experiencing the way people respond to that. And, and not just familial love, but like, that connection in spite of factors that are pulling people apart. For example, the political differences in Long Night of the American Dream. And one of the things I, I have enjoyed doing about that play is it's not hammering away at political issues. It's sort of these are these are two brothers who are trying to do something else, but they keep getting distracted and pulled down deeper and deeper rabbit holes by these these differences. But then I think each play has a theme about the the sort of value of working through that to to get at why you care about this person. I love all that. That sounds wonderful and fun and complex. And I mean, I haven't even seen the show yet, and I'm already starting to think and try to fill in the gaps and put things together, you know? So. I mean, it's very it's very apropos for like what we're all about to do in a couple of days, have a Thanksgiving meal, you know, and, you know, politics rearing its head and being either getting in the way of how you relate to your family members or being the the mask that you can you can fight over politics maybe to mask what's really going on, what your real beef is with with other people in your family, one or the other. You know, it's but these these conversations or these issues often inhibit you from doing the thing you want to do, which is I don't know, in this instance, let's say in two days, have Thanksgiving meal with people. In the world of the play, they're trying to put on a play, you know? And they're trying to put on a play, which is and the play they're trying to put on is about this exact thing. It's about two brothers trying to put on a play and unable to do so because they have all these issues with each other. And so, you know, the play is about, you know, are what reality are they playing? Are they are they just doing the play or are they really having these problems with each other? Which I think is fun. That sounds amazing. I love it. So my final question for this first part, I'm going to start with you, Martin, on, which is who do you hope have access to the stakeout and long night of the American dream? Well, I mean... Everyone? Can I just say everyone? <laughs> I mean, like, who, who, who would I hope doesn't have access to it? I, you know, uh, no, I, I mean, certainly, like, because the stakeout is about a father and son, but it could be about any parent and any child, and it's very much about a, a moment of like, you know, it's a high, a highly emotional moment from their past that is like resonating and carrying out through the present of these two FBI agents in this van who are, as I said, on a, a stakeout. So any, you know, we all have issues between parents and children, even if you, you know, even if, or especially if you love your parents and you, for whatever reason, have issues with them and then you, but you love each other, you're, you're stuck with each other in this space with them. And I think that the show is cathartic in that way. It doesn't have to be a father and son. It could be mother, daughter, it could be mother, son, it could be whatever. Cathartic to come and see these two characters on stage trying to work through something, you know, years and years after the thing that happened. And likewise, Long Night of the American Dream, 
I think, again, it, as Andrew was saying before, you know, they're both about family and this is about, about two brothers, but it's about any two family members who just have a lot of uh, resentment towards each other because of how things have played out in the past. And that resentment is spilling out with these political issues, the differences that they have with each other. So again, I mean, that's just, that's all of us, I think. Like, I, I can't really imagine who, who wouldn't recognize themselves or their situations in what's happening with these, between these characters on stage. Cool. Andrew, how about you? Who do you hope have access to your shows? I, I have to echo Martin's response. I mean, <laughs> I, I want this to be to be open to everyone. And I, I'm thinking, listening to him talk just now, I'm thinking about a lot of people who who came up to us after performances throughout the summers and said, oh, that's that's me and my sister, or that's me. And like all of those relationships, it's it, we've defined them in these plays, father and son, brother and brother. But and I, I've seen it happen where people have responded to these relationships. It's like, oh, yeah, that is that is how I relate to this person who either is or is not in their life at this current moment. And I I find that really satisfying that like, I, yeah, anyone who I think feels feels those human connections and fights for them and occasionally regrets them, I think will have something to respond to in this play. And I'd, I'd also just like to, to, to add, you know, like we're, we're talking a lot about these sort of like serious moments of conflict between family members. But, you know, first and foremost, the shows are meant to be to meant to have a, a large amount of humor to them. They are these two characters who are patently ridiculous in both shows. And so, you know, you're, you're pre they're presented, it's all presented humorously, which I think allows an audience to kind of relax into something before you you come to realize there's something more serious and darker underneath it before but there is a there is a, a lot of ridiculous sort of absurd interplay between the the characters in both the shows that is true both plays start off well stakeout in particular like somewhere in the realm of vaudeville comedy at times and even towards the second half, like there are these moments of tension, but as an actor, it's very fun because you know you're moving through them on the way to like a moment of tension breaking that's going to make the audience usually laugh with relief or commonality or something. So you're really riding that line throughout the whole thing. And as Martin said, yeah, these are, they're, they're funny. They're fun plays. They're not entirely just like, think about family. What about politics? It's like in service <laughs> of having this communal enjoyed experience. That actually reminds me of, you asked earlier about access to the show and in Long Night, like my character says some things that I personally disagree with, but then to play him, I was like, how, how can I, I mean, I have to empathize with the character. And I think that's, a larger th I, I would love for people to come to the show with any kind of political political background or belief and feel that they could watch the show and not not be laughed at you know yeah, like even yeah yeah very much like in in writing it i was like like i have my own political views right you know but i was not interested in in writing a show that was didactic that was like me just espousing what I believe and the other side is wrong. I was like, it, that is part of the, the problem right now with, with our inability to, to converse because everyone is quite righteous in their positions. And I was like, what, you know, 
what's what else is really going on between these two brothers? Is it really about their politics in this play in this world? It it isn't really, you know. And so, the character that I'm playing, who more aligns with my actual political views, I I purposely tried to make him pretty ridiculous, even though what he's saying I believe in. But I wanted to make him somewhat full of himself. And and Andrew's character, who is espouses views, I don't agree with, nor does Andrew agree with him, as he said. But I also wanted to make him sympathetic, you know, and like, so that it's not just one person, one side's right, one side's wrong, that it's like, how do we get past that to see each other as, as two brothers, you know, as family members, as people, as, and, and where, where can we, where can we find the common ground? Where can we establish a relationship where we can uh, move forward in some sort of healthy a healthy way. Well, I want to switch lanes now for our second part of the interview and let our listeners get to know the two of you a little bit more on a personal level. Pull back the curtain, if you will. And I want to start by asking the two of you, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past or are just some of your favorites? And Martin, if I could start first with you on that, please. Well, as opposed to like, I suppose as opposed to saying specific names or whatever, I, I love shows, movies, plays, books, songs, that keep me guessing that I, as I'm watching them, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fully enjoying the moment and I have no idea what's going to happen. I love it when a story can keep me off balance to some degree. And just when I think I know what's happening and I feel like, oh, I see how this is going to play out to the end, which of course, you know, those points of stories to me, I always feel a little deflated, like I'm eager to know, but as soon as you know, you feel like, ah, it's like a a magician revealing their card trick to you. And you you so want to know. And as soon as you find out, you're like, okay, the magic is not there. Or, you know, as soon as you see the monster in the monster movie, you're like, okay, it's contained to that. Okay, we're just going to see this play out now. So a, a story that can make me think I figured it out and then twist things around again, where all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know. I was wrong. There's something more going on here. And the kinds of stories that can keep doing that sort of somersault again and again, while not letting it all spin out of control, while making me feel at the end of the story, it all did make sense. Or there are various threads I can spin into a narrative that makes sense. Those are the kinds of, of things that I, that I love. So any 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 slightly strange story that has a sense of humor about it that those things inspire me a lot i love that love that list i'm with you there i love a good show that that makes you laugh and makes you think that's a win for me you know so one and just and just you know theater and storytelling in general is all about surprise and so i just uh the more surprises you can get in there in terms of a story then the the more it you know, 
the more you can keep people captivated in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Andrew, how about you? What are who inspires you? Well, listening to Martin talk just now reminded me that I think in this, we have very similar tastes and instincts, which is one of the reasons it's been so fun to do these plays with him is like, we're, we're often on the same page already when it comes to making decisions, I think, as to how certain moments should play out. Some of the the playwrights that I really love, some of my absolute favorites are Albie, Beckett, and Pinter. And those are all people that we've we've had audience members say, oh, that reminded me of, of Albie. Oh, you guys sounded like Pinter there. Oh, uh, yeah, this like funny, dark, disorienting, but you, you're piecing the threads together. You're following this fast, very smart dialogue. Layers upon layers are getting stacked up, but you're not lost. And I really, really enjoy that. I love feeling like we're we're all on this journey together. Like timing and pacing is essential to to make what we're doing clear because there's so much going on. On another note, my my background is all in contemporary dance. And that's a world where it's really about like what what is clear right now? What what kind of story are we telling without the use of many words or any words. And I I personally feel that a connection with an, with an audience is it's crucial. Not every contemporary dancer goes for that. Sometimes you you have these very very I I would go so far as to say inhospitable like processed based spare works that are sort of challenging the audience saying like can you get anything out of this? We can. And I, I think there's maybe some merit in the exploration of that kind of like super postmodern art, but I really love a piece that that reaches out a little bit and maybe fully embodies it. We've we've had some moments in each play where we've decided, oh, like the this character's body language should maybe have this quality here. And I, I've found it very exciting to then use some of some of my background in dance to think about like, oh yeah, where is my sternum pointed? Is my back open is my neck arched like how how collapsed are my shoulders and like we we've had people uh respond to that really nicely and that so that that kind of integrated physicality really inspires me about all performance i love that i love those that attention to detail that you have and that is being brought to the table i would love to know from the two of you what are your favorite parts about working in the theater and Andrew, can I stick with you first on this, please? It's got to be the live audience, like feeling mm -hmm. that connection in real time. The the sensation that we're all we're all in this room together, we're doing this together. And if it's if it's going well for you, it's going well for me. Like I think about that a lot. Like as an actor, I want my goal to be to make my scene partner my audience have a good experience and like not just like I, at any cost but like i want them to have a good a good scene and then if they're wanting me to have a good scene then it's it's so much more productive than if i'm just like how can i make this go well for me uh so yeah it's it's that it's that connection live audience that's i i love that about about doing all of this and yeah i would i would totally agree with andrew i can't i can't imagine who would be in theater that wouldn't you know what I mean like that's that's the whole point that's the thing you can't get either as a performer or, or as an audience right when you watch movies and, and Netflix and whatnot which are all great but like 
it's it's the organic nature of being in a dark room with people and though the these the play is happening on stage it is so much a relationship with the audience and i don't know if the audience really appreciates that because they're just seeing this one iteration of the show this one night but when you are on stage doing a show repeatedly for lots of different houses of people you you come to realize how different a show becomes based on what the character of the audience is as a collective and that their energy affects you on stage your energy affects them there is an exchange in the room and it is fascinating and it is i would even so go so far as to say life affirming because you know we're a gregarious species you know and we 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 get our sense of reality and grounding from other people that's what human beings do and that is what is so exciting about going to theater and being in a room with other beating hearts and is that you you can feel each other and you feel this this pretend world that you're making that exists only in the words really particularly in the shows we're doing where as i said before there is no real set there is not, not it's just about the acting and the words and the direction and the and something created in our collective imaginations as people in a room that is palpable and exciting and and when it when it hits it feels so alive in in a way that one can't feel just alone walking down a street you need this room full of people to suddenly feel that there is something real happening in 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 life, in, in that reality is is made by us in this room. Uh, even when it's pretend, you can feel the emotional reality of it, and that is so enlivening and exciting. And and what I love about theater. Oh, two fabulous answers! I love that. Thank you both for those. Well, that leads me to my favorite question to ask guests, and I'm so excited to hear the two of yours. And it's. What is your favorite theater memory? I mean, you know, I don't know if I have a favorite theater memory, but I can say that there have been some funny moments just in performing these shows with Andrew. You know, these specific shows, this, this, this past summer, okay, this, is, this comes to mind, when we were doing Long Night of the American Dream, and we debuted the show in Winnipeg, and, which is a fantastic city, by the way, with an amazing festival, and the lovely audiences, but about five minutes into the show and you know and we're we're the show is a lot of a direct address to the audience as i said it's about these two brothers trying to put on a play and so we're explaining a lot that to the audience and and enlisting their their sort of their support and, but this woman stands up and has to make her way out of the the audience it takes a very long route to get in and that she walks not to the aisle closest to her but the aisle furthest away which means that everyone has to be sort of like moving their knees and getting in. She's sort of sliding by them. And we're watching this from the audience. And, and then she gets to the aisle and she comes down the stairs and the, and the stage is on the floor. The audience kind of rises above us. So she's come down to the floor, which is the same level as the stage. And then she obviously is trying to figure out how to get out of the theater. Um, we don't know why, but who knows? It's five minutes in, probably she needs to go to the bathroom because you, you can't dislike the show already, you know? But then she she just cuts across the stage, just walks diagonally across the stage and exits out the the wings to the backstage. And I'm my character is talking to Andrew, so I can see her. She's gone behind Andrew, 
to the wings. And I can, I'm watching her now. She hasn't gone back backstage. She's just off stage and she's confused. I can see her looking around and eventually she comes back on the stage and then marches off towards a door, which is not the door anyone had come in, but is able to get out that way. Well, in the meantime, her friend has gotten up from the audience, obviously wanting to help her. She now is taking also the long way out and then coming down stage. By the time she gets down the stage, she's lost track of where the first woman has gone. So she's now walked onto the stage to the wings to try and find her friend who is no longer there and then has to turn around and figure out her own way out. It was all completely absurd. But because, again, it's about these two brothers trying to put on a play and failing to do so to the audience, it just looks like this is part of what is going wrong in their attempt to put on the play. And it was all, it heightened the absurdity of the moment. It was funny and it was weird. And it was, it was something we had to address as actors to try and as characters in the show who were, you know, and uh, talk, you know, try to direct them on their way out. It was all quite funny and weird and uh, heightened the idea that the audience wasn't quite sure whether, what was reality within the show. And at that very moment, my character had a couple lines in the script about, well, you, you've been preoccupied. Like, yeah, we're all, we're all a little preoccupied right now. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I, that. That sounds like a performer's worst nightmare. But as you said, with the context of your show, that worked out perfectly. So what a crazy but wonderful memory. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> You're welcome. Andrew, how about you? What is, what's your favorite theater memory? I, I have one from all the way back in college, but hearing Martin talk is reminding me of just, there's something about Long Night that we just, we've had the most unexpected audience behavior that I have to talk about. We, we had one person in Vancouver this past summer who, I think it's because we did a very good job of acting in the first part that she really thought maybe we actually didn't have a play to do. And so <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say I was heckled. I think that's a fair word the, yeah. in the middle of my monologue. Very she calls weird. Out, We're just here for Martin Dockery. And, <laughs> and then I, my lines at that exact moment were basically saying this exact thing. So I just got to spin it like, oh yeah, well then Martin Dockery should have written a play for you to see, but he didn't. So we're going to do this, but it was, it was so much fun and weird. Like, are we fighting? I'm not sure. Yeah. I think it was good. Because <laughs> the conceit of the play is that my character was supposed to have written the play that we are here to do, but then my character didn't write the play. And so Andrew is annoyed at my character and has explained to the audience how I've let us all down. And so it was in the midst of that, that this woman cried out what, she, what Andrew said from the audience. It was all, and then Andrew was able to just roll with it very well. And you could feel, even though it was like, on the one hand, totally inappropriate that anyone should yell out such a, such a, such a heckle from the audience of like, that they're just here to see me, but it also, it also was a, you could feel the whole audience so enjoying the absurdity of anyone yelling anything out from the audience and, and seeing Andrew handle it. And, and it's those moments that you can only happen in live theater, right? And which all of us love when they happen because you get to see people really dealing with something in real time. And you can feel the whole audience being just on board for the rest of the show in a way that they maybe wouldn't have been had there not been this real moment within the fabricated reality that we are pretending is happening. 
What an insane memory, though. <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah, people felt really empowered to get loud <laughs> during that one. We we had some other times with that show. It was it was good stuff. I, the other theater memory that came to me was a production of Twelfth Night. I was in, in college where the director, every single person in the cast was an amateur. No one was in theater class. Just we wanted to do it because it was fun. The director had just been told that she would not be allowed to continue studying voice in the conservatory because the professors decided she she wasn't good enough. So she switched to a directing major and then just said, screw it. I'm going to do whatever I want. And every single decision in that whole production was just pure delight. And I think about that a lot. It was just it was just joy from start to finish. I love that. Seriously, fabulous memories. Thank you both for sharing those. Those are wonderful. Do either of you have any other upcoming productions or projects that we might be able to plug for you? I, I have one, actually. I just did an audiobook for Tom Pearson, one of the artistic directors of Third Rail Projects. It's a book of poetry he wrote that we originally did a dance piece for the San Diego Without Walls Festival in 2019. And then we took the text of that he wrote and then uh, recorded it in studio with live music so it's kind of an album and it's called still the sky and it just came out like this past week and it's available on audible and some other other places for the physical copy that's so cool so we can all check that out that way and you know that's a great lead into my final question which is if our listeners would like more information about the stakeout or long night of the American dream or about either of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? Well, I mean, you, you know, find out more information about the plays. You can go to the Soho playhouse.com website and get tickets there. I also have a website myself. It's very creatively named. It's just my name. So it's um, martindockery.com, you know, and I think you, there's a way to contact me through that, I suppose. Yeah, you know, or good old Facebook. I'm on Facebook, you know, and uh, yeah, that's it. I do not have a website. What, how, how is that possible? I don't know. But my email address is andrew.broadus at gmail.com, just in case. Wonderful. Well, Andrew, Martin, thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with me today about these two great shows. I'm so excited about them. I can't wait to see them. And I'm just so excited for you to have these now at the Soho Playhouse. So thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, what a pleasure. Thank you very much. My guests today have been the performer Andrew Broadus and the writer and performer Martin Dockery, both who are in the Stakeout and Long Night of the American Dream, which are playing in rep November 29th through December 16th at the Soho Playhouse. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting SohoPlayhouse.com. We also have some contact information for our guests, which we'll be posting on our social media description as well as on our episode description. But for right now, you need to head to SohoPlayhouse.com. Get your tickets for the stakeout and long night of the American dream. We're going to be attending the show. We'll keep you posted about when we'll be there so we can make it a stage whisper night out of the theater. But don't miss these two great shows, the stakeout and long night of the American dream play November 29th through December 16th. So until next time, 
I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. Stage Whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.